Welcome to Day 337 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with Matthew Kresge and Cindy Kemp and uh, David Keefe. We're continuing our journey through the Gospel of John, which has uh, been a rich betrayal of the, of, of the Gospel, of the life and person of Jesus. Uh, John has led us into teaching that the other Gospel haven't you know, given us and stories that the other Gospels uh, do not record. And it's a very rich presentation of who Jesus is and uh, of his life and his death and his resurrection. So we've moved from the warmth of the upper room to the trial before Annas and before Caiaphas Mm -hmm. and the trial before Pilate. As we pick up in chapter 19, we're in the middle of the trial with Pilate. And you see this tension, you know, between... Uh, Jesus and the Jew- I mean, between Pilate and the Jewish leaders, the Jewish leaders are convinced that Jesus needs to be crucified. Pilate sees before him an innocent man, and not only an innocent man, but a, a man who may have somehow stirred the jealousy uh, and the political you know, divisiveness of those who are his enemies. And so we come to the, this place where we see Jesus sentenced, we see him crucified, and we see him uh, buried in the tomb of a couple of his uh, friends. So before we continue uh, in these last chapters of the Gospel of John, let's do as we always do. Let's offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord, realizing we come to Scripture uh, to see Jesus more clearly, to know him more deeply, and to be transformed into his character and, and to serve him more faithfully. So before we read, Cindy, do you mind lifting us up with a word of prayer? No, I don't mind. Father, we turn to your word now thanking you for all that you've given us when you have given us your word and we would just pray father that um as we read the story of um jesus marching on to the cross father and then his resurrection that you would bring uh, these words to heart that we would hear them we would understand the great cost that um our salvation was purchased with and lord that uh, you would change our hearts in so many ways it's in christ's name we pray amen Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of Jews. And they slapped him in the face. And once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to him, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priest and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify him, crucify. But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to that law he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more for it, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked. But Jesus did not give, give him an answer. Do you refuse? Uh, to speak to me, Pilate said, don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at the place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was a day of preparation of Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away. Take him away. Crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate said. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. 
Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him with two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of Jews. Many of the Jews read the sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the king of Jews, but that this man claimed to be the king of Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. The garment was seamless, woven into one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that said, They divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, and the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had been finished, and so that scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of vine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put a sponge on the stalk of hyssop, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have their legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happen so that Scripture will be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken, and, as another Scripture said, they will look on the one that they have pierced. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had early had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. The place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was a Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. You have a wonderful uh, picture of you know the sovereignty of God in in, in this you know in this passage. On uh, many occasions, uh, you see it was fulfilled according to Scripture, and of course you see Jesus you know turning to Pilate and saying to Pilate, uh, Pilate of course saying to Jesus, "Don't you realize I represent Imperial Rome, and I have in my hands the power of life and death over you?" And uh, Jesus said, "You only have power that's been delegated to you from above." 
And uh, what a beautiful picture that uh, God is in control of this very dark moment, moving it toward his ends. And you have very much, you know, the statement you have, you know, at the end of Genesis where, you know, Joseph looks at the evil intentions of his brothers and said, you intended for evil, but God has intended for good for the salvation of many. And, of course, that's exactly, you know, what, is, what has happened here. So this is a, a rich account. Uh, there, there are a lot of things that have taken place, and other gospel writers that have done is very succinct, but his portrait is, is very poignant. Mm-hmm. And even thinking of, you know, Christ as this sinless man who is our representative, we, we see several times, even Pilate says, you know, I find no charge against this man. And so we get to see even the sinlessness of Christ that even the courts are looking and saying, there's nothing here. And knowing obviously if they were to look at me, they, there would be much charge against me. And so just love seeing that kind of picture of Christ as my representative there in this passage. Uh, No charge found against him, obviously charge found against me, but then he proceeds on um, to to bear the wrath for my sin, for our sin, and so just really cool little gospel scene there. I wonder how many times the the disciples, you know, thought over these events and reflected on these events, and, Mm -hmm. you know, we get kind of John writing this and thinking through and including certain things and saying, you know, I've written this so that you may believe you know, mm-hmm. that Jesus is the Son of God. And and just thinking back on, okay, they didn't break his bones. Oh, man. And all these scriptures popping into mm-hmm. mind from, you know, Exodus to Psalms and, and thinking through, oh, I remember that passage, you know. Oh, they didn't, you know, maybe it's when Jesus began to, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Psalm 22 comes to mind and they realize, oh, that's fulfilling this. And how many times just, you know, they're, they're sitting here thinking that scripture may be fulfilled. God is truly in control of this situation. No, I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure it was, you know, long, you know, long reflection, yeah. uh, you know, as they read through the Psalms again and again and again. And uh, they began to begin become very real to them that all of this is pointing, you know, to Jesus. So even, you know, even the Psalm, you know, they cast lots for my garment. Mm-hmm. Uh, was you know an occasion in David's most likely an occasion in David's life when he was uh, cast out of the city of driven out of the city of Jerusalem by his own son and his uh, son and all of his companions exploited all the wealth and, and even the, the wives you know of, of, of David as well and it was a moment of deep embarrassment and deep loss you know for Jesus it was probably a the only you know precious possession that he had the seamless garment which would have been an extraordinary you know, garment even in you know even in that time, and it may have been, you know, gifted you know to him. But the one thing that he had to his name, and we're reminded, you know, what Paul says that even though he was rich, he became poor mm-hmm. for our sakes. And there you have, even the possessions he has, you know, being distributed among his enemies, you know, there at the end, so that we through uh, his his sacrifice might become rich. Yeah. And and what a beautiful picture, you know, we have of Christ in there. I love the um, the irony of the sign. I guess it was yeah. written and placed. I, I'm assuming a sign goes over someone who dies on the cross, kind of their judgment or why they are you know, being charged. put to death. Right, their charge, and yet the charge is so accurate. You know, here's Jesus um, of Nazareth, the King of the Jews, and not only that, but that it's written in three languages, which is really interesting to me. But just yep. the irony and of that. caveat, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those three languages, I feel like college for me. Uh, Aramaic, <laughs> sure. Latin, and Greek. Exactly. All, 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 all the way through, of course, yeah. uh, Aramaic for the sake of, you know, the Jewish by standards. Yeah. Uh, Latin for the sake of the Romans and Greek for those that are, 
you know, more deeply educated part of the Greek culture. Yeah. But uh, Pilate was making sure that no one missed it. Mm-hmm. And of course, they want him, you know, to don't say that. <laughs> they don't say the king of the Jews, say that this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. <laughs> and Pilate said, what I've written, I, I have written. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, this is about the third time, know. you know, that he has said, <laughs> you know, here he is, here is your king. Mm-hmm. And you have to love, you know, the, uh, you know, the section where he said, I find nothing against him. You, you crucify him. He said, we have a law, and by that law he must die. He claimed to be the son of God. And this really intensifies and piques, you know, Pilate's interest. So he brings him back in, and he questions him one more time. And he says, where did you come from? <laughs> and, and, of course, you know, Jesus has been talking in the upper room discourse about being the one who has come from above. Yeah. And he could have answered Pilate in that way, and that would have overwhelmed Pilate, you know, even more than he was already overwhelmed, mm-hmm. you know, with the innocence of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. The sovereignty of God in this passage—it really is remarkable. I mean, yes. you know, from, I mean, top to bottom, and just seeing, you know, again, Jesus saying, "I'm the one who's in control." You know, you have mm-hmm. no authority over me unless it's been given to you. Pilate acting out and. And really, even that those charges written above Jesus, you know, is just a reminder. This is the sovereignty yeah. of Rome. You do not, you do not act against Rome, and yet Jesus uh, freely gives up his spirit. You know, he he fulfills yeah. scripture. I mean, so many of those things, just with his final breath, just giving up his spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, reminding you know both us as a reader and his disciples yeah. that he's he's fully in control. No, you, you love that, mm-hmm. and he gave up his spirit. In other words, he willingly gave himself over to death, mm-hmm. which is a you know which is a you know, which is a beautiful picture. And of course, Pilate very full of himself, saying, "I'm fully in control here." And you know, Jesus in effect saying, "You're you're just a such a tiny player in, in the whole scheme of what you know God is doing you know in in the world." And there are those around you you know that are guilty of a a greater sin. And of course, he is at the same time saying, "Pilate, you are guilty, you know, of this sin of a rejection." Uh, but this is you know completely out of your control, you know, in this moment. Mm-hmm. I have, do. Oh, I, I I do the love the last three words that Jesus would speak. It is finished, and it, it's not that he was just giving up his spirit and dying, but he was completing the work of the Father for which he had been sent. And so, those are huge words. No, they are, and the, and the word is a little bit you know richer in uh, in both Aramaic, Greek, and uh, and Latin. <laughs> um, but mostly in Greek, because that's how it comes to us. Yeah. Uh, the word is a little bit richer. You know, it means something that has been brought to the perfect end or the perfect completion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so something that has reached its goal. And so the work of God in atoning sinners has reached its goal on, on the cross. Yeah. You know, as, as Jesus has died in their place. And of course, another nice little irony that you know that John notices the cozy relationship between. Uh, you know the uh, the ruling council in, in in Rome, they really resented Rome. But uh, when it's convenient, you know they're saying our loyalties are are totally with Caesar. And of course, every time you would get them, uh, you know, uh, behind closed doors, they they would never have anything good to say about Caesar or anything good to say about Rome. But it was convenient for them to be allied with Rome. Uh, very cozy relationship. Uh, they benefited you know, from it greatly. So here they have loyalty not to uh, the one whom God had provided as their Messiah and King, mm-hmm. uh, but to a worldly power structure, you know, to Caesar. Mm-hmm. And um, 
deep irony that mm-hmm. Israel has rejected uh, her king. There's so much more in this passage, but we have, as always, uh, run out of time on this. Matt, do you mind closing us with a word of prayer? Pray. Father, we thank you for this passage today. We thank you for um, the, the time to meditate on uh, the cross of Jesus, knowing that uh, when we see him lifted up, um, we're, we're drawn to him, and we do pray that you would uh, continue to, to draw us um, to Jesus, to remind us of um, what's been accomplished in the cross of Christ, how it's uh, achieved our salvation, and and how it even now continues to transform us. We thank you um, for the work of Christ on the cross. We thank you that all that you intended, uh, he He obeyed, and, um, and it's for our salvation. Uh, mm-hmm. Father, would you uh, remind us of these truths this week? Um, shape our our lives um, by these and may we be your people uh, who live obedient to you it's in christ's name we pray amen